Gareth Jones on speed news dribble. Anglo-Moroccan startup Atlas E-Mobility announced this week that it was developing a premium EV that they say will make African people proud. I wonder what they'll call it. It won't be the Atlas Armin or the Atlas Mugabe then. The smart money at the moment is on the car being called the Atlas Mandela. Yep, that's a car that not only Africa, but all of us can be proud of. Hello, welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. He's Alex with a mouthful of chewits. Hello. <laughs> He's Zog with a brain full of chemistry. Hello. I was hoping we'd actually hear your brain full of chemistry there. How is that possible? It's fizzing away, fizzing away, and uh, stuff fizzing. is going on at a quantum level, I'm sure. Yes, quite definitely. And stuff was going on at a very real level this weekend. Did you guys watch Monaco and the Indy 500 like I did? Indeed. I'll give you a guess. You didn't watch Monaco, did you, Alex? No, I didn't. I was outside cycling. Good plan. Did you see the Indy 500, though? No, I didn't see any of anything. I largely stayed away from the television. It's remarkably wholesome and very alien to me. Yeah, yeah, me too. But I had to be in front of the TV for the Indy 500, which I watched with Tycho this year. Did you watch it live, Zog? I did. What a race! It was. It was quite something. But the end, it bordered on the farcical, I thought. To have three red flags in such a short period of time and a final restart with only two laps to go, to have the second and the third red flags so quickly after each of the restarts, if somebody didn't tell you that it was one of the three greatest motor races in the world, you might be forgiven for thinking, who are these clowns? You know, I'm sorry. Oh, well, oh you know, controversial. No, no, I welcome the red flags in Indy throughout. It's a reset. They don't mess about. Because if you get damage on the circuit, someone hits the wall. Because so much of the circuit is banked, stuff rolls down and will cover the entire circuit. So you can't guide cars around it. You have to stop them. And you get this sort of dramatic reset. All the cars bunch up and it makes it a motor race to the line. I'm not saying they shouldn't throw the red flags. I'm saying that maybe the driving standard should be a little higher. Oh, I I don't know. I think they managed uh, 198 laps with very few incidents, really. It was only towards the end where things get a little excited. I mean, it's very, very hard trying to run in the buffeting, damaged airflow that comes off another car when you are already at the limits of adhesion with your car to get the absolute maximum top speed out of it at any given point on one of those straights or one of those corners. It's heroic stuff. I think they do an amazing job. I think the skill of the oval driver in IndyCar is every bit as high as any Formula One driver, in my opinion. It's really hard what they do. It's exciting. You make a good case... But I'm not, I'm not entirely convinced. It was very, very scrappy towards the end of that race, you know. It often is. Yeah. In the end, it was a tremendous result. Going into the crowd it was actually quite an emotional yeah. moment. And it redeemed itself. But it was on the verge of being something a little bit silly, I thought. Uh, Joseph Newgarden, who ran off the circuit through the wire fencing into the public area and celebrated with his fans was really emotional joseph newgarden i said to taiko early on watch him he's smart he could win this but that's the thing about indy 
practically anyone can win that race if you manage to stay on the lead lap until the last five laps. If you can just stay within reach. That whole thing of nobody wants to lead the Indy 500 because you're punching an air hole. You know, you're better off behind someone else and then diving out at the last minute. That makes it dramatic for me. Doesn't it make it a bit too much of a lottery? You know, no. it's just, you know, you no. know, but the only thing you'd be sure of is that whoever's leading the race, you know, going to the last few corners probably isn't going to win. But Joseph Newgarden did. That's the thing. He actually went to the front and retained his position at the front, which is extremely hard to do. You know, you're much better off diving out from behind someone. Pato Award was my favourite for the race. He uh, spun out in lap, what was it, 192, something like that. To be fair, most of the people that I were backing in the race fell off in one form or another. Graham Rahal, who was allowed to start in a rival's team, missed the opening laps and had to join. Catherine Legg had technical issues. Stingray Rob, the man with the best name in motorsports. Isn't that the best name in motorsport? It is. He didn't have a great race. I only love him because of his name. But it was great to see Catherine Legg there. I know her of old. She's a tremendous competitor and she recorded did you realize the fastest ever lap by a woman at the indy 500 in qualifying or qualification laps which is massive respect to her i know the cars are quick now but she made it go quick did not know that i was mostly backing grosjean and sato were my two top picks correct good choice yeah and grosjean was out maybe halfway through the race and then uh yeah and Sato was just kind of running solidly in 10th or 11th most of the time. Loitering. Yeah, so a bit disappointing, but it is a hell of an event. The drama, one of my favourite bits was when, you know, you get the camera on the wall and you get a car going past, pew, 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 pew. You get a... What, how many cars were there? 31 cars, 32 cars, 33 32, cars? I think. Yeah, 32 cars going past your pew, 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 pew. And it just carries on going on. It's the gift that keeps on giving. If you're not an Indy 500 fan, I strongly suggest that if you like any form of motorsport, you get into it. I love the whole IndyCar series, but I particularly love oval racing. The end. Can't wait till next year. Want to be there. Alex, you didn't watch Monaco. You're not interested in the Formula Ones. No, I kept abreast of it when I was sat in various pubs drinking pink wine and enjoying the sunshine. I love in the fact that Aston Martin is doing well this season. Yeah. That is good. Yeah. That is a good. Their engines work. Well. Mine still does not. <laughs> they could have won that race yeah. and Almost. arguably should have done. Yeah, yeah. If it, they'd made a better call on the tyres. It was marginal, but they're sort of in it to win it now. This is the great thing. Aston Martin are inching closer at every race to a win or a pole. You know, it, they are on the march. But yeah, on Aston Martin Motors, Alex, and this won't affect your road car in any way whatsoever, but have you heard that Aston Martin are going to be running Honda engines from 2026 yeah now the strange thing about this is that i thought that honda was leaving formula one in a big huff because they and red bull had a big falling out like two toddlers in a playground game but he hit me only after he hit me first sir it wasn't quite that bad honda sort of dilly-dallied and gave every indication that they were leaving so that's when red bull said sod it we'll make our own engines and get ford to badge them and then honda said oh we might stick around oh we're gonna come back and it would have saved Red Bull a lot of palaver if Honda had actually made up their mind. But they've got history 
swapping in and out of Formula One, Honda, of all the engine suppliers, they are the one team who seem to have come and gone more than any change their minds repeatedly over the history of Formula One since Richie Ginther in the 1960s. Don't get me started. But they're very good at making motors. But it's just a bit weird. An Aston Martin Honda. I can understand how you can get away with running a Mercedes engine in an Aston Martin in Formula One because Daimler do own a small percentage of Aston Martin and Aston Martins. Which ones have Mercedes blocks these days? All their V8s are Merc. All so the V8s. The Vantage, yeah. the upcoming DB12, the DBX, DBX707, all that 4 litre hot V twin turbo V8. Albeit modified by Aston Martin, of course. So it's kind of crazy that the race cars will have honda engines we're not going to get honda blocks in the road cars are we as well are we hmm there hasn't been a whisper about it has there almost certainly not unless you want a VTEC vantage which would be unlikely nice idea though the VTEC kicked in yo <laughs> it would be quite unlikely i mean Aston Martin does have form when it comes to pairing up with Japanese car manufacturers. The Signet was... Toyota IQ. A Toyota IQ in a very, very pretty frock. I think that's kind of it, really, when it comes to Japanese. That was quite an oddball one-off, though, that was more or less the result of the boss of Toyota, as I recall, at a race. Maybe it was the Nürburgring 24 hours. As a result of bumping into Aston people and having a conversation, the Aston Signet came about as a result of that, as a sort of one-off project. So there is form there. The whole thing behind the Signet was that it came from a time where car manufacturers had to lower their average CO2. Yeah. Sure, yeah. Ferrari chose to ignore the problem. Porsche had diesel weasels and things out, but Aston Martin didn't. So they went, well, tell you what, what if we made a city car with a 1.3 litre engine? That's the same. And it sort of wasn't. I wonder if it could happen again, if the Honda E could be rebadged the Aston Martin VE for the same reasons. What could they call it? So the last one was Signet, but all the cars have, or the DBE. It's got to have a V in it, really, if it's an Aston. So it could be the E, lowercase, capital V. E V, that would work, wouldn't it? Yeah, I would do that. Yeah, I'd have that. <laughs> or or you just rebadge the NSX. Ooh, ooh, controversial. Ooh, but the powertrain's good. Hey, yeah, let's see where that goes. Intriguing one. Away from Formula One now, let's talk about something that happened in road cars this week, which I think is massive news, and that is that Tesla have done a deal with the Ford Motor Company to allow owners of Ford EVs going forward to use the Tesla supercharger network, certainly in America, probably worldwide ultimately as well. That's huge. Why would Tesla do that? Why would they give away one of their greatest assets, their bespoke charging network i wouldn't say they're giving it away i imagine enormous sums of money are involved Mm -hmm. the sensible point on this is that tesla has an enormous charging network ready available to use that people like tesla users all over the world can have it i think i was writing a thing about it. something like forty thousand superchargers in the world or some some nonsense like that an enormous number 
of superchargers that not only are in sensible, convenient places, but they work. Whereas in North America, they have a thing called Electrify America, which is this kind of outside, like it's, it's not a Tesla thing. I think it might be government, but I'm not sure. I don't know too much about it. It'd be supported by government, won't it? But it's supposed to be a sort of America's going to be sustainably charged you can buy your electric car it's great but the reality with a lot of these things is that it's just a bit crap Mm -hmm. having spoken to journalists who have evs and have tried to use it with their own car and journalists who drive evs occasionally and expect this reliable thing to work it just doesn't work it smells a little bit of ecotricity and that over here whereas tesla has this massive charge network that does the do it works it fits tesla also has an interesting problem in that a large chunk of its business is done by selling carbon credits and when every manufacturer goes ev they lose billions of pounds in not needing and other manufacturers not doing that that bit of business. So actually licensing and leasing this network to Ford is a really good idea because they get money off of Ford. They can sell their tech. They can sell their connectors, whatever, straight over and everyone wins. Apart from everyone up to this point who's bought an EV. On the positive side of things, it has to be a good thing for Ford customers to have access to this much better network than they've had before. For all the Tesla connector is not, you know, in theory, a standard connector. It's not a CCS or the other, you know, standard connector. There are more of them on vehicles in North America than there are the, in theory, standard connectors, just because they've sold so many more vehicles. Mm. On the connector front, I believe Tesla had already offered royalty-free, payment-free access to their IP in this respect. There was nothing to stop other manufacturers using the Tesla connectors. They opened that up a while ago, which is a good thing. I mean, you know, credit to them for doing that. There's a difficulty around the Tesla standard in America because Tesla are kind of campaigning, as you said, Zog, with it being open source, for it to become the universal American charging standard. That's what Tesla call it. It's got some name that's something like universal American charging standard. It's not. But because they want to make that the standard. And the standards office in the United States are going, well, you haven't really followed the proper procedures to make it a standard simply by adopting it yourself and expecting everyone else to use it. You know, usually it's a committee who come together to agree on these standards. But they're sort of doing it by the side door because Ford are aiming to shift more EVs next year than they ever have before. And they're going to supply any current cars with the old, uh, what do we call it, CCS connector or what's it called? The current standard yeah. is the CCS2. Thank you. Using the old connectors, you can get an adapter, which allows you to use the Tesla one. But from, mm. I think, next year, all Ford EVs will have the Tesla and the old-fashioned socket in their vehicles, doing away with a slow one, I believe. So it's a smart move on Ford's part. You've nailed it. One of the things that stops people from getting electric cars, apart from the initial cost, because they are expensive, is the reliability of a network. And Ford have suddenly gone, yep, we'll have the Tesla one, we're not proud. Smart move. And if you think about it, kind of unlike Ford, Ford usually build up their own networks. One of the great benefits of Ford commercial vehicles as I understand in Europe is that the support that you get from the Ford dealership 
network for Ford Pro, as they call it, which is second to none, you ask anyone who uses a light commercial vehicle. So Ford tend to do that stuff themselves. So to piggyback on Tesla's an intriguing one. You disagree, Zog? Well, no, no, I wouldn't disagree, but I was just thinking that I'd have thought Ford would be kind of crazy to try and build up their own network. From a relatively late start in the EV business, they've come on leaps and bounds. Yeah. And you know, it looks very smart to tie up with Tesla and their network rather than to try and create their own from scratch you know right now it can only help them to maintain their speed of growth in that market and yeah it's a smart thing for them and i guess for tesla also and you know tesla is going to be facing increasing competition from other more credible evs and so having a relationship with ford which is going to be an increasingly big player can only be a good thing for them so yeah it seems like a good tie-up Alex, can I ask you about something you said a moment ago? I didn't quite understand what you were saying, that this was good news for everyone except people who have EVs. If the Tesla connector becomes the standard, there may well be this sort of, well, you've got the old-style connector, that means that car is worth less when the whole providence comes through. Mm, Yeah. And then imagine having to be the bloke that needs to re-engineer the charge hole and the amount of money that's already been fired through for all these EVs and the amount of data that's been fired through to make the charge hole that's currently on it. And now, oh, no, we're doing the Tesla one. Either way, it's the kind of thing that actually has to change anyway. It's a little bit like the mobile phone charger wars of the 90s and noughties, where there'd be the Nokia charger, there'd be the Samsung charger, there'd be the this charger and then that charger, and now it's micro USB on old phones, USB-C on most phones, and awkward lightning chargers on iPhones. Yeah. When it comes to EVs, the whole kind of console war can't really go on on that level because it won't be sustainable at all. Most cars do have an alternative charge point, though. Certainly the cars that I've driven have more than one standard. So there's always a certain amount of backward flexibility. I think it's more like USB 2 versus USB 3 versus USB. There's always back compatibility on vehicles. But our needs for charging speed are rocketing as more people choose EVs. So what's the Tesla charge thing good for? Is it good for 350 kilowatts? Is that what it is? I seem to remember. That sounds about Certainly right, yeah. good for 250. It might be good for 300, if not 350. For some reason, the number 342 has come to mind. You might be right, which is pretty good headroom, really. I might be making that up. That might be entirely made up. <laughs> These things do happen. Alex is looking something up by the look of I'm it. I'm doing an internet, but Go on. there's lots of people saying how brilliant Teslas are, but no one giving an actual... Numbers, yeah. Because they're, oh, it's the best thing in the world. You can do this, you can do that. All right, just tell me how... V1 and V2 could do 150 kilowatts car. A Tesla supercharger, which charges at 250 kilowatts. There you are. There you go. Yeah. There you are, which is pretty handy. That's pretty handy. 250 kilowatts is, the way I've sort of explained, the way I view charging is like, no matter how many kilowatts an hour your car can take, if it can take a 350 kilowatt hour charger, you're still going to fill it at two thirds capacity in the same amount of time. But if it's a 350 kilowatt hour charger and your battery is only 100 kilowatts, theoretically, if it was allowed to charge from 0 to 100, you'd be done in 20 minutes. This just means you'll be done in 25.30. It's not Mm. that great a difference. Mm -hmm. It gives a little bit of headroom. Mm. I don't think anyone turns up at a charger expecting it to deliver at the rate advertised (laughs) anymore, if ever. We've got a little bit of headroom. There have been some big battery news this week as well. A Chinese factory have started manufacturing 
an extraordinary battery that has, again, double the energy capacity by volume and mass to what we've had up to now. And I believe there's a solid-state battery factory now in production in China as well. Carb batteries are going to be out of date within two years. There will be double performance. It's like buying a PC, isn't it? I'm going to wait for the next one. I'm going to wait Hang for on, the next to one. To clarify, are you suggesting that battery performance is going to double every two years? Because I think that's a bold and incorrect claim. I think it is in the next two years, it might not continue, but as we leap from our current battery chemistry to solid state and these high performance batteries that are coming, there's going to be a noticeable step. It will slow down beyond there, but we seem to be making leaps and bounds at the moment in battery technology. Yeah, but chemistry does also put some quite hard limits on how much you can increase uh, capacity. You know, there's there's just simple stuff to do with, you know, how much energy you can store in chemical bonds chemistry tells us exactly we know how much we can store in each of those bonds and you know what the atomic mass of all the elements involved is so you can get a fairly clear idea about the theoretical limits of energy density and so on there it is that's the chemistry that was spilling out of your head earlier on actually spilling <laughs> out right now thank you zoga Jones on Speed News Dribble. The greatest spectacle in motorsport. The Indy 500 is described as the greatest spectacle in motorsport. However, who has the greatest spectacles in motorsport? Could it be Jacques Villeneuve for sporting John Lennon-style national health specs back in the 1990s? It won't be Sebastian Bourdais for his red-coloured 1980 sales department look. No, we believe that Matteo Binotto, with his black, thick-rimmed Where's Waldo goggles, are by far the greatest spectacles in motorsport. We've got the Grand Prix in Barcelona this weekend and that's kind of exciting because we'll finally get to see just how good the new Mercedes chassis changes are because we didn't really get to know at Monte Carlo but really my focus is already way beyond Barcelona to the best race of all the races there are in the world of racing. Talking about the Le Mans 24 hours in a couple of weekends' time, of which one of the three people on this call right now is actually going to, Alex Goy. Sorry. Yeah, because the other two of us screwed up. We did. Hey, there we go. It happens. I'm going there for work purposes, and work purposes only. There shall be no fun, just work. No. Yeah, you are not going to enjoy it, clearly not. When does your work start, and what does it entail, Alex? It starts on... I only got half the email stuff through today, and I'm very glad I didn't book anything for Thursday the 8th, because I've got to be at Alpine HQ, north of London, 5.30 in the morning on Thursday the 8th, and then we're driving down, and I imagine I'll be back home at some point on Monday the 12th, a broken man. You're driving down in a fleet of Alpines, Rick? I believe so. I know very little about it so far. We are being told the rest of the details this week. There haven't been any new Alpine A10s in the last 12 months, because you went last year in a sport, I think, didn't you? Last year we went in the facelifted fleet 
except there were four cars and only three of them were facelifts. There has been a new one since, the A110R, which cut weight but didn't necessarily up power. It's supposed to be a bit of GT3 RSE and it's very expensive. I'm not sure if I'll have one of those. I honestly don't know much about what's going on apart from... As I read out earlier, and I've dropped through my email, the reason we're leaving on the Thursday, not the Friday, is because Alpine is to reveal its 2024 hypercar at the 24 Hours of Le Mans on the 9th of June at 11.30am, which means the hangover I definitely won't have will have cleared by then. (laughs) So we're going to see the 2024 Alpine hypercar, which is Ace. We're also going to see the A290 Beta electric urban sports car, they call it. I call it a Renault 5 prototype in drag. Because that's what it is. Because that's what it is. It looked very cool, but it's not as cool as the Renault, so stop trying. And yeah, it will be a bloody lovely time. I think it's the last year they're running their LMP car before they're becoming grown-ups. Didn't Alpine announce in this last week that they were no longer continuing their, what was it, of agreement? What would you call it? Something of agreement? Schedule of agreement? No way. Yeah, there, there was going to be a tie-in Mitt Lotus about a sports car, and that then didn't happen. Intriguing. Which, yeah, is a bit of a bugger, because one of them has incredible insight into how to make small, lightweight, mid-engine sports cars, and how to make them handle really well. Don't get me wrong, the A110 is really good, but the masters of that are Lotus. Right. Considering an Emira is, what, 10 grand more than a well-specced A110 with bits on, actually, out of the two of them, the one with less plastic in it comes from Norfolk. Yeah. Weird, because the body mm. is entirely plastic. <laughs> Whereas Alpine has the big Renault might to go, well, we can invest money in better batteries, better this, better that. I mean, admittedly, Lotus has Geely money, but eventually Lotus is going to have to wipe its own ass, and it would have been through deals like that. And so I think it's a great shame. I don't know the ins and outs of it, but either one of them went, we can do this on our own and not have to share it. Or the other one went, I don't think they can do this and went, oh, mm. we're not really happy with how this is going. It's a great shame. I think it could have been a really good time. I'm just wondering. It's a good thing you're sitting down. Yes. <laughs> I'm just wondering, all car manufacturers have Chinese partners or Chinese investors these days. We know Geely, you've got a big, well, they've got all of Lotus pretty much, haven't they? All of Lotus and several subdivisions thereof. Lotus yeah. is now a number of companies and it's a bit mind-blowing. So it's always us. And I'm wondering, do Renault have a Chinese partner and it's not Geely? Could this be part of the thing? Could it be Great Wall or could it be SAIC or one of the others who own a little bit of Renault? I'm going to have a look. I want to find out. I don't know, but Nissan's quite big. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Nissan. And they're in a partnership with the Renault. But Nissan have partnerships in China. Renault have partnerships in China. Probably Dongfeng, I would imagine. I think that goes deep back let me have a look i'm trying to find out if anybody owns group renault from china hey do that in your own time that's my theory dig into that but i would have liked alpine and lotus to work on a project together i think that would have been fruitful for both marks but if they don't want to do that that's okay that's their decision yeah great Right, Le Mans. So you get to see next year's Alpine, which is going to be very exciting because it's a proper hypercar from them. Orica designed it for them. But there's plenty of other stuff going on over the weekend. I had a look at the Le Mans website to look at some of the highlights of stuff that's going on. The driver's parade this year is a bit earlier than usual. It's on Friday 
early afternoon from 2pm until 4.30 in the city centre. It's a Friday. And this caught my eye that at three o'clock at the circuit for three and a quarter hours is the Grand Centenary Auction to celebrate the 100 years of Le Mans. The Sotheby's are auctioning off authentic models, it says, that have participated in the 24 hours of Le Mans. And that happens on the circuit. So I don't know if it's a start-finish straight. They line them all up there. But imagine that sight. And you can buy them. Well, you can buy them if you have many millions. And then once they're bought, we'll never see them again. Yes. This is not going to be a particularly fan-accessible part of the experience. Le Mans is generally very good for fan access, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, this less so. As you say, Alex, you're going to need spectacularly deep pockets to afford anything on that auction list. Here's something that will cost you a lot less. At 7 o'clock in the evening on the Friday, this is how it's reported on the website, the Le Mans website, the 24-hour of Le Mans family fly past. And it says, the French Air Force will fly over the circuit at 7.15. Now, I don't think they mean the entire French Air Force. I mean, I really hope so. (laughs) That would be something. (laughs) A one pod in the corner playing the Airwolf theme tune on an accordion. (laughs) (laughs) I'd love to see the entire French Air Force fly over. It would take some while. There's a demonstration by the Raphael, which is a wonderful bit of kit, a French fighter. And also, what are they called, the French aerobatic team? Le Patrouille or something like that. What are they called? They fly Alpha Jets, I think. They're doing a fly past. I like that. Is it Le Patrouille? Is that how you pronounce it? Not sure. Patrouille Aerobatique du France. What does that mean? The aerobatic something? French Aerobatic Patrol. Patrol Patrouille, of course. Patrouille. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, there you go. The PAF, they're called. Patrouille de France or PAF? At 7.30 on the Friday, the legends of the race, the drivers and cars of Le Grand Exposition du Centenary de 24 Rue de Mont will offer the spectators unforgettable moments. A special presentation of the legends will take place, including a type Le Mans start at 8.45. So again, I think a lot of the cars from the museum are going to be on display on the circuit and they'll do a racing start to them and they'll probably run I think I've understood that correctly well I guess as it won't be a competitive event as they won't be racing then they can do the old traditional style run to your car start the engine peel away from the pit then do your seatbelts up <laughs> after you start yeah. yeah 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 or not which is why they stopped yeah. doing the Le Mans start yeah. quite rightly it's a great shame not to see that anymore but it wasn't safe you, you know you certainly couldn't do that safely in an era where drivers have to be as tightly strapped into the car as they are now uh, it's just one of those you know lovely bits of history that was and we can appreciate in our rear view mirrors and at eight o'clock Mika is on stage at the sort of festival part of Le Mans. He could be brown, he could be blue, he could be violet sky, he could be hurtful, he could be purple, he could be anything we like, even a Le Mans driver. He could be <laughs> Mika Hakkinen. I was disappointed to discover it wasn't Mika Hakkinen, it was the squeaky-voiced lad who makes comedy songs, in my opinion, which I'm sure it'll be joyful. And then the centenary show is at 11 o'clock, a breathtaking nighttime show involving fireworks and 400 drones. That Friday, that's a good Friday at Le Mans, isn't it? 400 drones, spelling out the word ACO in the sky, I hope. I'd love to see that. Charging you a fiver to look at them. Yeah. 
Who's going to be playing on the stage on the Saturday? A French artist I hadn't heard of is the answer. Okay. A lady called Celine Dion? Yeah, no, not that one, no. She's Swiss anyway, isn't she? She's Canadian. Canadian. Yeah, Canadian. Let's talk about the cars and the racing. Who's excited about hypercar? I am. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, man. I looked through the hypercar list and I really struggled not to support every car bar one in the hypercar list can you guess which hypercar entry i'm least interested in um ferrari no they're my favorites uh, van wall oh boo boo on you. you are you down on van wall maybe i am down on van wall of course i am floyd van wall racing team that's Collis. Now with less Jacques Villeneuve than before. Yeah, he got bumped, didn't he? He did, he did. Wow. Well, he'd, he'd been um, underperforming, I think, in yep. races so far this year, so uh, uh. Then that's presumably why they decided they wanted somebody else. So I've chosen my runners in hypercar class. Of the two Cadillacs running, who stand a reasonable chance, I'm going with the number three Cadillac, Sebastian Baudet, Baudet, Umbaudet, Baudet, Renge van der Zander, whose name is always good fun to say, and Scott Dixon, who's an amazing guy in a car. I kind of like him. So that's one of my cars. I'm supporting both the Ferraris, but really the number 51 AF Cox Ferrari 499P because Alessandro Perghidi is in it, as is James Collado, who I've always been fond of, and Antonio Giovinazzi. Let's see if they can keep that car on the circuit this time round. <laughs> Unlikely. Even I know about his Formula yeah. 1 history, and it was <laughs> long. The Peugeot I'm following is the number 93, 9X8, because it's got Paul D'Aresta in it, Mickey Jensen, and Jean-Éric Vaughan. So they're pretty good, all three of those guys. And the Glickenhaus, because Glick are running two cars. I'm going to go with the Romain Dumas car, which also features Olivia Pla and Ryan Briscoe in a disco. Drivers I believe in, and I love Glick. I love the Glick cars. Zog, you're going to be backing the Porsches, aren't you? Well, you know, slightly surprised me. I find myself cheering for a Ferrari victory. I think good it would lad. be wonderful if Ferrari were to take it on their return to wow. the front line of endurance. Racing. And that's a Porsche man saying that. Well done, yeah, sir. Thank yeah, you. I think it would be a fantastic result. So I think the James Collado Ferrari, uh, I'll be back now. Failing that, yeah, I'd be super happy with Porsche taking it again this year. They've been the Le Mans team for so long. It would be good to see them just reinforce their place at the top of the heap. On the Persia side of things, I don't know how much I'm going to be shouting for Persia victory, but I will be, I think, spending the Le Mans weekend building the Lego Peugeot hypercar. Have you got it? Uh, they, oh, they, no, I, I haven't got it yet, but I figured I have to do something to compensate for the disappointment of not being there. And Aww. so treating myself to the Lego Peugeot hypercar and building that over the Le Mans weekend will be something, you know. Aww. Probably eating a lot of camembert as well, just to get properly in the spirit. Oh, Zoggy, I'm jealous. I love that idea that you've got a 9x8 Lego. I'd love to build that with you. Oh, come yeah. on. Maybe we should hang out over the weekend. Hey, come on, let's do it. Let's do it. Have you guys studied the LMP2 or the GTE? 
form? Not so much. I mean, obviously, I'm supporting the Alpine A470. Obviously. Good. Because Alpine is life. So, yeah, the overall win, I think everyone else is going to crash out and the Alpine's going to win. <laughs> that's, that's my plan. Well, it has got close in recent years that LMP2 cars have got close to winning. They've certainly been on the podium in the last few years. But this year, with so many new cars in the hypercar class... There's less chance of that happening. It could happen. I'm back in the United Autosports, Oreca, and LMP2, because it's got Tom Blomquist and Ollie Jarvis in one of the cars. Then the Jota LMP2 has got Pietro Fittipaldi in it, and I love him. Who doesn't? But the Duquesne team, I think that's how you pronounce it, have got my mate Neil Yarny driving, so I should be backing them. Interpol, their car. Who knew that the European police ran a car? Jan Magnussen. I mean, if you want to catch criminals. Yeah, perfect. Put Jan Magnussen in an LMP2, Orica Gibson, and off you go. So, Jan Magnussen in an LMP2, which I'm very pleased to see. My old pal, Nicolas Lapierre from A1GP. He's in the Cool Racing LMP2 car. It's a terrible name for a team, isn't it? cool racing really it's trying a bit hard isn't it yeah. trying a bit too hard and the other one is another cool racing LMP2 because Simon Pagino is driving that car and Simon Pagino won the Indy 500 a couple of years ago he's a tremendous driver he's a Frenchman and so winning this race would mean a lot to him so I'm with him on that and did you spot that Daniel Kvyat is racing in the Prima LMP2 car and I think he's racing under an Italian flag now i think he's got italian citizenship he's certainly racing because he's brought up in italy did you know that i never knew that until recently dan Kavia is russian but really more that? italian than russian apparently so those are my lmp2 cars no. and the racing turkey team i love that idea a racing turkey if only yeah let's have a look at the gt cars just throw all the vantages at my yeah. face please and thank you because they sound great they go like off a shovel have you got a favorite vantage driver not really i just like the cars so any of them yep. please i'm looking for you i'm <laughs> looking gustlav dalman birch marco Sorensen's good is nicky team racing I this year i don't think he is i didn't see his name correct me if i'm wrong but i don't see his name alongside and Aston Martin. Oh, boo. Me, I'm going for the AF Cox cars, as I usually do the Ferraris in GTE. We've got Simon Mann and Julien Piguet and Ulysses de Pau, Belgian, in the number 21 car. And Thomas Floor, Francesco Castellacci, and David Rigon, good old David Rigon. In the other AF Cars 54 car, the Iron Dames, of course, with Sarah Bovey, Michelle Gatting and Rahel Frey, the women's team. And, of course, Lilou Wadu racing in the Richard Mill AF Cars team. And she's, well, she won. First woman to win in WEC. Let's give her a win in GTE at Le Mans. That would be amazing. And, Zog, I would imagine you've got an eye on Michael Fassbender in the Proton competition Porsche absolutely yeah no, uh, Dempsey Proton have a bit of a place in my heart and Michael Fassbender yeah it'd be terrific to see him get a good result so I'm, I'm definitely shouting for him yet yeah, also the Iron Dames and Corvette racing I mean despite the fact that I don't find that the the new Corvette in a racing context has quite the emotional resonance of the old Corvette yeah agreed yeah 
I think, you know, I still love a Corvette at Le Mans, so I'll be cheering the Corvettes all the way for sure. Yeah, I miss the thunder of a front-engine Corvette. The mid-engine car doesn't make the same sound, does it? It's too sensible. (laughs) It was the slightly anachronistic nature of that, you know, stupid old beast that was Z06. Is it Z06 or Z6? Z06, I think you're right. Z06. The Z. Fantastic. And its forebears, you know, they should never have really been doing as well as they did for so long. And it was a shame to see the back of them. But they've won a place in my heart and I'll still be shouting for them this year. Alex, you know what that means? The Aston Martin Vantage is the big old anachronistic front-engined car now. Old school, baby! It does, actually, which means I have to shout for the Vantages as well. Uh, no question. Uh, but that's the thing about Le Mans, isn't it? Whoever wins, we applaud them. That's the beauty of that race. The heartwarming quality that it has is that you beat the race. You don't just beat the other guys. You beat the race because it's trying to kill you at every opportunity. Not kill you, but stop you from succeeding at every opportunity, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's having a good old pop. I remember Toyota those few years ago where it was on for a win and then just died. Oh, that was... We watched that in front of us. It stopped right in front of us, didn't it? We were on the start-finish show. Yeah. It was unbelievable. Yeah, just a hose clip, wasn't it, that gave way? Is that what it was? I think it was a hose clip. I that, thought it um, was something to do with having made one too many exits out of the pit lane on electrical power. That was the other Toyota earlier in the race, I think, as I recall. Hey, it will write a new history this year. It's going to be quite something. I'm heartbroken. I'm not there. It is. No, it's going to be a hell of an event. The Hypercar lineup is spectacular. Everybody wants it. It's going to be a hell of a race. The truth is, though, Toes are probably well going to win it, though, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Well, if they do, they'll have earned it. You know, they'll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they do win, I'm sure they'll, they'll deserve it. And they've put in a good few years of effort. Frankly, they haven't had enough competition, but they stuck with. Le Mans and with the WEC when a lot of other people have fallen by the wayside so yeah you certainly wouldn't begrudge them a win this year for the 100th anniversary if they get it fair point Zog and I think we can leave it there enjoy your motor racing you've been listening to Alex Goy hi and Zog goodbye and I was Gareth bon chance everybody allons-y For information on how to contact the show, see pictures, get song lyrics, follow us on Twitter, find our Facebook fan page, or to sponsor the show, go to garethjones.tv. Oh, oh, wait, 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 wait wait a moment. I just realised that we completely missed the Garage 56 entry, which is the Hendrick Motorsport Chevrolet Camaro ZL1, driven by Jimmy Johnson, Mike Rockefeller, and Jensen Flipping Button. One of the most interesting entries to Le Mans in recent years, and we wish them well too. Apologies for missing that out. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Wizban. Gareth Jones!